Welcome to another episode of Smashy Business Daily. I'm Lubna Hamdan and Richard Fitzgerald. Richard, so lucky to have you this week. I almost can't believe it. <laughs> Flattering. Thank you. I'm lucky to have you hosting this show. But yeah, we'll quickly go through the headlines, and then we'll uh, we'll talk more about exciting things happening this week. Um, alcohol in Saudi Arabia. The conservative kingdom is opening its first ever alcohol shop in Riyadh. And then Salt Bay is under fire for a $100,000 Dubai dinner bill. And the kingdom sees more IPOs with a nice one listing expected. Nice one is actually the company. But it is a nice one, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. So how are you getting on? Are you liking this new podcast format? It's the first time you're doing a regularly daily podcast show. Do you like it? Yeah, it's the first time ever that I do something like this. I'm loving it. Getting into it. I'm so on brand, Richard. Yeah. So a minute. Did yeah. you see what I did there? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're, you're loving it, loving it, loving it. But we're, we're, we're another brand. Like, you know, in the thing, what we're trying to do with Smashy is uh, tell the stories of the driven, the dreamers, the doers, like the young cohort in the region who want economic prosperity and to... You know, some of the some of the stories is news. It's regular news, which you're you know professionally trained that you're really good at. And then there's that kind of master brand feeling that we're just trying to capture the young people doing great things in the region. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Through business, sports, or other things as well. Absolutely. Thank you for your LinkedIn post yesterday, by the way. So Richard had mentioned that I was the youngest ever editor at Arabian Business, my previous job uh, at 25 years old, and it looked like I w- I'm still 25. Years Are you old. not? Well, maybe 26, because that. how long ago was that? You know what? Let's pretend <laughs> like I am. Yeah, yeah. I was having lunch the other day, and one of our colleagues was like, Lubna, if you don't mind me asking, how old are you? I was like, well, I'm turning... 31 in February. That's I'm just going to put it out there. I hope it was, like, there's a lot of young people in this office, isn't there? You know what? He looked at me, and he was like, what? Oh, I asked that. He was like, what? I was like, what do you mean, what? <laughs> do we have a problem what here with my mean? age? Okay, well. So yeah, how old, how nice old are you? Here, so I'm sure it was uh, it was well intended. I yeah. turned forty in ju- last July. Forty. You know what he told me? What? He was like, "No, thirty-one is okay. If you had been, if you had turned, if you had been turning forty-one, then I would have been like, whoa. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's it's really funny. Like so? Dubai is such a young city, and we're in such a young region that we just expect people to be young, like. It must be hard for people because, I, you know, I spent some time in the U.S. recently and I was just taken aback by the age of the people on the panels. Absolutely. Right? And, and these people are really senior people and they're actually navigating very digital technology. So there actually are, you know, this sort of idea that if you're old then you don't know what's happening with technologies isn't true, right? Like the more experienced and the more senior people in companies in the U.S., like SVPs of, you know, emerging technologies and things like that are actually the ones who know how to steer this stuff and they're the ones making the decisions that's working, right? Like I was obviously looking a lot on the AI space and the streaming space and stuff like that. They're the pioneers. Like, sure, you've got the Sam Altmans and you've got the the, the other people as well, but like the, the point really is that the, uh, the age of the people on the panels and the, how, uh, how many years experience they have, right? You know what, I think if I would criticize the younger generation about anything, it would be the the lack of 
consideration for the wisdom and the experience of, of older people. Yeah. I really don't mean to sound like an older person, but like for me, for example, when I, you know, when Martin um, Sorrell is, is speaking, you listen. Yeah. Uh, when all Sir these, Martin, yeah. uh, you know, sir, sorry. Uh, yeah. You see what I mean? No, you, um, you respect them. Yeah. So I, I think it's lacking a little bit with, uh, with Gen Z. I don't think they, they understand yet the, the value of, of, that experience. Yeah, but but I didn't either when I was that age. Did you? You know what? That's a great point. No, no, no I didn't. didn't. Really. No, I didn't. No, we thought we knew everything. Yeah. And suddenly when we're True. older, we're like, True. we either think we don't know everything <laughs> or we're like, hang on, you need to value me more. <laughs> That's true. You yeah. know, you know uh, what else we had no idea was, was going to happen ever is uh, Saudi Arabia opening its first alcohol shop. Yeah. I did have a little bit of insight, though, in 2009. I'd like to... 19, yeah. Uh, 2019, sorry. I'd like to pat myself a little bit on the shoulder for this um, mm. because I reported on it. I said uh, it was an interview with uh, the Accor Hotel's CEO, and he said that tourists in Saudi will want to be able to drink alcohol. Mm. And he got a lot of backlash for that at the time. People said he was ignorant of Saudi culture. Mm. Um, and you had a rival Marriott saying, uh, no, actually, Saudi doesn't need alcohol to, for example, compete with Dubai's F&B sector. Mm. Uh, and here we are. They're opening their first liquor store. Yeah. Uh, it's said to be only for um, diplomats, uh, for you know, foreigners, non-Muslims. But that's it, right? The doors have opened. Yeah, definitely. I agree. Um, he's a good CEO, though, what he does with Accor. I remember interviewing him before uh, how he approaches the region is really good. But yeah, there has been a few incidents like your article that have triggered people. I remember when Clubhouse was out at the time, there were people, there were Saudi uh, prominent uh, society people talking about alcohol in Saudi. And I think sometimes uh, leaders look at temperature checks, right? Like, you know, in, in this region, they do look at social media and they do look at w what are people's feelings on stuff. But, you know, obviously alcohol is against uh, religion here and obviously it's uh, it's not the normal society, the normal culture. And I think, uh, you know, everyone has different views on this, but how the UAE has dealt with it and how the UAE has uh, not let it take over society, you know, like I grew up in a country full of alcoholics right like ireland is just part of our culture and we just ask no questions about it and uh sometimes it's there's the bad side of it right there's people falling around dr drunk on the streets there's football games and kids just falling around the place like saint patrick's day in dublin might be like beautiful and historic and nostalgic or whatever but like y you've got people falling around the place like Absolutely. and it's not actually what you want in society so i think i think you know this is a business show and i think uh you know we've seen things open up in saudi whether it's women driving and whether it's other things that connect it with the wider world and i think that's is important and i think if this is a step towards that it's good but also what i love about the region what i love about arabian hospitality and the culture is that uh it doesn't become fully western and it doesn't yeah. turn into a, a drinking place you know yeah absolutely you can still do really good business which obviously you know dubai <coughs> has been uh, amazing at that uh, and still keep the culture you know i have a lot of friends that go out and they go out to bars and they go out to lounges and, and even clubs but they don't drink alcohol yeah so but that's a really good point because you know what like uh gen z even in the even in the u.s don't drink alcohol and like there's a lot of emerging brands now that are uh, beyond Pepsi and whatever, there's one called Clinco on Instagram. There's a lot of, um, and there's an interview we did on Dubai Works before with a lady running drinkdrystore.it. Right, Erica, yeah. Yeah, yeah and uh, 
Yeah, <laughs> same people. But yeah, but like she's doing really well on the e-commerce perspective. But it, you know, I so was it's like, a it's a not non-alcoholic beverages we're talking about. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And um, I just feel that like you know the Western ones are creating these brands, uh, but why can't there be? Uh, you know, I remember first brands I worked on in the region were Vimto and Barbican. But why can't there be kind of cooler, trendier, non-alcoholic drinks brands? I think let the let the alcohol stores uh, open uh, because it's happening anyway. Diplomats yeah. in Saudi are allowed to have it in their houses anyway, but like you're not allowed to carry it and bring it in. So this is like this is getting rid of the grey line, right? And yeah. people have it in compounds. So do it in a controlled, regulated way. Um, and, you know, let's be honest, right? If you're trying to attract, we were talking about tourism yesterday. If you're trying to attract people of, you know, intolerance, people of all religions and all cultures, and if you're trying to make Riyadh a, a culinary capital, then there are people who do appreciate fine food with fine wine and things like that. Absolutely. Um, and, you know, to, to be able to allow that to happen is probably a positive thing, provided it doesn't take away the the great things that make Saudi Arabia a, a wonderful, unique country. I mean, you know, if you look at DIFC, I remember uh, years ago, because, um, you know, DIFC is a business hub, right? But it's mostly known for its um, F&B places. True. That's what DIFC is now, even though it is primarily, it was meant to be like an international financial center. Yeah. Um, but that's how important F&B is. And I remember, I know yeah. we keep talking about him, but Habib al-Mullah at the time did say, you know, it's turning into a food court and he wasn't happy about it back then. Mm. Now he's become a food advocate. <laughs> <laughs> he has a food blog and he's there all the time. But, you know, okay. talking business, like that is, you know, alcohol unfortunately is important because it does create that atmosphere, even if you're not drinking, yeah. the fine dining, that kind of, you know, F&B. Um, yeah. I think we're going to see a lot more of it. Like, I think, you know, this is probably diplomatic quarter, which is <coughs> south, uh, west of Riyadh. Riyadh, like, yeah. I think, I think that, you know, that's obviously what, how they've announced it, which is cool. But I think we will see a lot of it in Niam and in the Red Sea development, Red Sea global area, like 23 five star hotels. Like, we're going to see it. We're obviously going to see it there. As yeah, well. absolutely. Who knows? Maybe it's casinos next for Saudi after the UAE. <laughs> <laughs> but we can stop there. <laughs> yeah. um, so speaking of F&B, Salt Bay, have you been to Nusrat? He's famous for Nusrat. I think I've been once. I've definitely been once. I was trying to think if I've been twice. But yeah, I met him. I, he did the sprinkly thing. When for he you? Was, yeah, on our wow. table. Yeah, it, that moment happened. Special treatment, huh? Nice. That that meme happened, yeah. That meme happened. I embraced it. That deserved. <laughs> you know what? It's pretty cool. I mean, I I kind of like him because he he came from nothing, right? He he grew up poor, um, and he made a name for himself, and Absolutely. he made a lot of money. Um, but he has come under fire for a hundred thousand dollar Dubai dinner bill at mm. Nusrat. Mm. He posted that on his social media on his Instagram. It's not clear whether it's his bill or somebody else's bill. Mm. Um, and people are just bashing him for it. And I can't for the life of me understand why. Because we already know people who have money spend ridiculous amounts of money on ridiculous things, mm. right? Are we really surprised and should we be upset with Salt Bay? Yeah, I think you, you're right to mention his humble upbringing because there's those beautiful photos of him as like a young chef in, you know, sweating because he's working so hard in Turkey where he started, you know, and I think that's such an inspiring story that you can grow as a chef and you can create a global brand worth, I think there's talk that it, the whole thing can be worth up to a billion dollars and, he, you know, he has had a lot of backlash. 
uh, around the World Cup, he was kind of cancelled and stuff like that. Right. But I think cancelled, I wouldn't say. He still has like 54 million yeah. followers. Well, yeah, but cancel, that, that's what cancelling is. Like, it's just, it's, it's a week. You don't actually get cancelled. It you makes grow. you more famous. Yeah, like remember the Logan Paul thing where he had the dead body in the desert? He got cancelled. Yeah. And then a year later, he's doubly famous. So Maybe maybe we need to be cancelled, Richard. Let's maybe, try and maybe get cancelled. Love that. <laughs> uh, don't, uh, that's a joke. <laughs> it is, it is. But, but you're right, but I think... Um, you know, some some people have said that to me sometimes when we put these stories on Love in Dubai. Hey, guys, like, stop showing Dubai as this blink thing. Stop showing off the money thing. Like, stop being so insensitive to the people struggling. And, you know, I think there are people out there who do get upset and triggered when they see this opulence and when they see this, like, who needs to pay $108,000 for a meal, right? We don't know the detail of it, but, like, it is up. But the point is, like, it's on social media. Like, I heard um, all the Man City guys were, after the Globe Soccer Wars last Saturday, Friday, they were in Nobu and Atlantis, and then they'd be training in Abu Dhabi. They went to Zuma and Abu Dhabi. I went on to those places, stories, Instagram place, to see if there's any photos. There's nothing. So th so there are there are times where, like, this stuff is kind of buried. But you, as you said, it happens, right? And it then happens. when he puts it up, and it's part of his brand, because it's an expensive restaurant, he gets backlash. You know what? It's kind of like Dubai Blink, where everyone was making fun and saying, you know, this, uh, well, not, not even just making fun, but actually angry about all the opulence and luxury in the show. And I'm like, okay, I'm just happy to see my city on Netflix. I yeah. think let's look at the bigger picture here. You know, we can make fun of the show as much as we want, but the matter of the fact is Dubai is now on Netflix. And it looks well. It looks amazing. It looks amazing. And Americans are watching it. Exactly. Like it's a moment. Like I, when I was growing up, we used to watch the hills and all this uh, ocean beach or whatever they were called. Yeah, Laguna Beach. Yeah. Laguna Beach. And it was like, hang on, like this area in Orange County is obviously the coolest place in the world. And maybe you want to go there. Yeah. yeah. And now we've got now like 25 years later or so. We've got people sitting in those places going, hang on a second. Yeah. Like it's it's unbelievable marketing and it's real. Like it's not fake. Like Ocean Beach, Laguna Beach, that was nice then. And Dubai is nice now. Yeah. I mean, sure. Not everyone lives that way in Dubai. Absolutely. But you do have the opportunity to have a really good job and live really well. Yeah. And you can see like the, the this lifestyle is, you can see it. It's not like, yeah, and it's not actually, I remember when I came here first, I thought like it was going to be, uh, you know, some expat hubs around the world in the past was sort of them and us and country club and you can't get in. And Dubai is not like that. No. You, you know, pretty much like you can walk into the most beautiful hotels in your regular cl work clothes and not being you know, not looked down on, people will be attentive to you and try and help you. That's a great point. And that's why I love the F&B scene here, because it is different in London. It's different in Moscow. I was in Moscow a couple of months back. It is different there. They do look at you from head to toe. Uh, face control is a, is a big thing in Moscow. Okay. So, so yeah, we're, we're loving Dubai. Um, but yeah, you know what? It's just one more point about Salt Bay, though, spending 100000 on a dinner bill, is if you're a businessman and you're working you know, however many hours in the day, and you, you've had humble beginnings, you should be able to spend on whatever you want to spend on, right? I'm not saying you shouldn't give to charities, you shouldn't do your, you know, your part in this world, but spend, you know, what else are you going to spend on, right? You need to spend on something that makes you happy. Anyways, moving on to our last story, the kingdom is seeing more IPOs. There's a listing with a nice one that's expected. It's a, it's an e-commerce cosmetics uh, retailer. I needed to be told that. 
I didn't yeah. know. I'd never heard of it. It's okay. Ne- neither, neither did I. <laughs> Which is quite cool in a way. Right? It is because I don't buy my cosmetics online. I have to buy them in in store. In store, but we do know of well-known online stores right in the region, and we know of like Flowered, and we know of a few others that are eyeing up Let's IPOs. Sink. Yeah, but yeah. this one came out of nowhere, and I think that's what's so exciting about the Saudi and the startups. IPOs in the region. That's what America is like. Like you, you stick on CNBC and they're ringing the bell, and you're like, okay, this one, Casper, or this or this. You're like, oh, that's a that's a, a SaaS, a B two B software like Cloudflare. We talked about the, these yeah. companies just kind of crop up and like they get part of this new digital economy that we're part of, and they just grow. And like well, whoever built this company, and I, I'm sure we, on Smashy Business we'll delve, in, delve into more of the backstory now as well. Yeah. Uh, but but like as we were. Yeah, it's amazing uh, that they're, they're, they're listing. And hopefully, though, that when these uh, new unicorns, the tech ones, when they go public, hopefully they'll have the solid businesses that sort of uh, warrant that sort of uh, public scrutiny and trajectory. Yeah, absolutely. I'm really happy to see, you know, homegrown um, concepts, you know, list and, and succeed. Uh, and it's amazing. And speaking of um, local successes, uh, we're going to have the founder of Fast Films. It's a production company. His name is Ihsan Salhia. Uh, he's going to be talking why it's important to hire local. Very good. And I'll let you get on with that interview. But just on the last point, we put up a story this week. I don't know if you saw it. Well, you obviously did. But I come in and it's that travel company that raised like over $20 million, $25 million right. as, a, as a seed round or something like that. Um, which is unbelievable, right? Like usually that's in the sort of like 1 million to 3 million area or something like that. So, um, you know, talking about nice one going public, like these companies do start like this. Absolutely. They raise some funds, they get the right backers, and we've got the sovereign wealth funds, we've got the VCs, we've got international VCs, we've got angel investors, we've got a whole ecosystem now here that help these companies get on that trajectory to IPO. Right. Finally, we're seeing um, we're seeing people investing in their own people and not just buying shares in American companies. Exactly. Right. Yeah, it's really good. Yeah, yeah. And, and it's and probably a theme that we'll continue to cover in this, like investing and hiring, as as TG as SM will talk about now as well. Absolutely. All right. Thank you, Richard. Thanks, Luca. <laughs> If you're walking around the city, you've probably seen his his uh, work, his pictures, uh, his uh, artistic um, intellectual property. Uh, Ahsan Salhiya with us here today, the founder of Fast Films, well, one of the best production companies uh, in the UAE, having worked with you previously. She's she's very kind. Thank you for <laughs> saying those kind words. I appreciate it. There are, there are many talented people in this country, and I'm happy to be a part of that group. So Ahsan, um, Yesterday, we covered a story about Yas Island uh, and their new ads, which costs anywhere between um, 500,000 dirhams to uh, a million dirhams, which is roughly around $300,000. And uh, we were talking about them hiring companies abroad um, for to do these kinds of ads, because Yas has been you know, budgeting um, and spending a lot on marketing all of these destinations, right? Competing for tourists with Dubai, their tourist numbers are soaring. Yeah. But how important is it to hire local? Well, uh, I think Yas always makes great campaigns and great ads, and they're a wonderful company that really advertises the scenic destinations of uh, of Abu Dhabi and and the UAE in general. Uh, I, I think uh, just to touch upon your question there, I think it's very important to look for local talent. 
because we as production houses, production companies, and freelancers in the area, we work really hard to build our brand. And the first place that you want to grow is in your backyard. So living in Dubai, we really want to focus on Dubai because we consider this home. And we this is where we want to work yeah. instead of abroad. You know? Right, right. Dubai, Abu Dhabi, the UAE in general. The entire UAE, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. You you were telling me a story earlier about how uh, important it is not just to hire local, but, but also to set market prices if you are a freelancer. Let's talk a little bit about that in terms of the production industry um, and brands not wanting to pay. It's not just that they don't want to hire local, right, right. but they don't want to pay much. <laughs> so they would pay more for a U.S. company rather than people here. And then also... The freelancers they don't pay them too much do they yeah there's uh, i think there's a there's a gap or there's maybe a misconception on hiring companies abroad seems to get you either more value or higher production or better quality which i i think this is just uh this is a, a false way to look at things can, you know what can i interrupt you and just like Give you one example that backs that point. I mean, right. who is better to uh, to shoot a commercial about a, a country than people in in this country? Absolutely. It, it just you know the logic yeah. doesn't make much sense to me. Like for example, I was reading. You know, I'm a journalist. I was born here in the UAE. I live sure. in the UAE. Sure. And uh, I was reading an article today on the BBC about Saudi introducing alcohol. Uh, opening their first shop in uh, Riyadh. Mm. And uh, in the BBC article, it says um, the UAE and Qatar allow the sale of alcohol, uh, um, allow the sale of alcohol to non-Muslims. Mm. I was like, hold on a minute. That's not correct. Mm. The UAE now does allow the sale of alcohol to Muslims. Mm. If you're a Muslim now, you can get uh, an alcohol license. Okay. You know, people are reading the BBC around the world. Right. It's false information. Right, 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 right. Yeah. So again, hire local. <laughs> Locals tend. I, I've been here for 14 years, and I've been walking the deserts, the mountains, the the streets, the roads, and all the rooftops around uh, the country. And the best person to help you find your view, your vantage point, or your scenes would be someone that is either from this country or, or was born in this country or lives in this or had lived in this country for a while. And I think that that is the best choice. We have so many talented people here in the UAE and they're overlooked. And, and unfortunately, they're forced because you said something about uh, pricing and whatnot. Mm -hmm. They're forced to reduce their pricing just to compete. And freelancers suffer the most. Production houses suffer right after because there's a gap in between right. that, that, that they need to fill. And uh, it's, it's just, it makes it really tough for us, for everyone. Mm -hmm. You told me a story yesterday and I got chills. And ah. it was about a kid. Ah, Tell man. me that story. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's a young man, actually. Uh, and he, he's on Instagram as a photographer. And he, 19? He does, uh, yeah, he? I'd say between 19 and 20. 19, okay. Yeah, he's a, a decent young guy. Mm -hmm. And he was uh, th th was this client of mine who I, who I haven't seen for more than a year. And I guess that's because this young man picked up the project. So uh, we're, we as a production house, we lost that client. They picked up the freelancer. Freelance, uh, this young man did the work for an entire year. The client then calls me after one year and says, hey, we'd like you to come in and... Uh, uh, our corporate head, uh, our corporate head office wants us to redo all of last year's work. So we begin working on the project, and in between, I just asked the client. I was like, "Yeah, hey, I'm curious. 
who did the work? Can you, would you mind letting him tell me? And he says, yeah, it's this person. And I said, but this guy is, no, he, his work is okay. It's, it's, it's not bad work. He's a freelancer, he's a young man, but it's, his work is good. Uh, the, the images that I saw, they don't compare to what they, uh, you know, what the... It's not his, up to his normal standards. not up to his normal work. standards. Like, yeah. you know, something's going on there. And then I said to him, you know, can I ask you, how much did you pay this guy? And then he gave me a number that just blew my mind away. Uh, you know, I, I don't know if it makes sense to say the number, but mm-hmm. but it was just so low. And then, and I asked him, I says, this is per shoot. Mm-hmm. He says, yes. And then he said, how many, I asked him, how many times a month? He says, five times a month. I said, okay. What's so the number, Hassan? Give us the number. Give you the number. All right. So he was paying him 500 dirhams to shoot video mm-hmm. and photography. What's, what's that in dollars? 500? In dollars. Uh, like $150. $150. $150 yeah. for video and photography. This is, mind you, for a big corporation. Wow. Very, very big client. This is a very small freelancer, very a, a young man trying to start his career. And we're a production house, so we would charge him 10 to 20 times that amount. So mm-hmm. not naturally, they go for the freelancer. And what they ended up doing is... After a year of getting all this work, his from corporate office, the work was rejected. And and I said to the client, I said, you know, you paying him this low, you destroyed his career. You didn't even give him enough money to rent a light to, to put next to his cameras to give you a, a better quality. And that's why the work was not on par with his usual standards. Yes, yeah. exactly. Had he been paid at least fair market value or close to it, uh, then uh, he would have been able to probably produce better quality. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and now you'll never hire him again. If anyone finds out that he did the work, they'll never hire him again. And uh, and now you're, you're going to pay for one shoot 10 times the amount that you paid you know, uh, for just uh, for yeah. what, all year, whatever you paid him all year, you're going to pay for one shoot. You know what? These corporates do have a responsibility. Sure. And I think yeah. they, they should be held accountable for this because this is a kid, you know, trying to, I mean, th- mind you, these corporates are paying tons of money for these influencers who, let's be honest here, most of them have no talent, okay? Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't take much to take a picture and post online. Yes, you do have to be, you know, uh, sustainable, uh, you know, y- yes, uh, content, you know, I'm, I'm, don't get me wrong, I'm not talking down to, you know, production people. This is sure. one thing and, and that's another thing, I think. But, you know, to, to be an influencer with a talent uh, and become famous, you know, off of that talent or whatever it is, is one thing. But then just posting pictures of yourself, it, it's just a vanity thing, right? And these corporations are, you, you, you're adding zero value to people, mm-hmm. mind you. I don't know why these people follow them. And these corporates are paying them tons of money. This is a kid who went to college or maybe taught himself, you know, how to take amazing videos and pictures, is really passionate about this. And here are the corporates not wanting to pay. Like, they could have doubled that amount easily. And it would have made the world of a difference to this guy. It would have made a big difference. We need to think about how this is affecting future generations. Like, a lot of the kids now, you know, by kids I mean... 20-year-olds, whatever. Yeah, young people. <laughs> uh, young people. I'm, I'm talking as if I'm like 50 years old. But anyways, um, sorry, Hassan. Yeah, like I'm, 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 yeah, I'm 45 for anyone that's curious. I'll be 45 next month. <laughs> no, but we, we really need to be thinking about how this is affecting the younger generations. You know? uh, do we Do we want them to, to, to say, oh, you know, forget it. I don't want to study for X amount of years to become a doctor or a surgeon or, or an engineer. Right, and right. we do have shortages in those industries. Yeah. Uh, we don't want them to say, 
oh, you know, screw that. I'll just become an influencer. Well, I mean, you know, in all fairness, just to touch up on three separate points here, the, the you have the big corporations that are seeking out, uh, whether it be uh, uh, Instagram photographers, social media photographers, social media influencers to do their content. I do understand that they have budgets. Now, whether they're a billion-dollar corporation or, or a Fortune 500 company or, or whatever, whatever in between, uh, yes, we know they have the money and they do have budgets. I think the, way, the reason that the budgets are skewed or, they're, or they're, not, they're not allocated properly towards content is because of either misinformation or misunderstanding towards how production works and right. how to produce the right content and what this content will be used for. So, uh, you know, in the past, production houses used to live off of TV commercial ads. Hmm. And that's that local commercials, local commercial production houses would focus on TV ads since that shifted to digital marketing. So a lot of the companies would now say, well, it's only going on social media. But what they don't know is, yes, it's only going on social media, but you have a commercial ad that has 50 talents in the background, a set set up, multiple locations. There's so many things involved to produce a great ad. And I'm glad you said you mentioned Yes Island because they're a great example for producing great, great work. Yeah. They really show the locations. They really, they, they believe in the content that's coming out. And I think that's why they put the budget behind it because there's a clear understanding of what production, proper production should be about. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Do you have any advice for, for um, freelancers, because we were also talking about the Russians that have come in. Yeah. <laughs> we know Russians are really good at production. Yeah. Right? But tell me a little bit more about that. Well, look, I, I mean, uh, one important thing for, for all freelancers out there uh, that are trying to make a name for themselves. And, you know, it's, what's crazy is you have a lot of freelancers that have been in the business for 20 years. So they're veterans. They're, they really can. We all can learn from them. Uh, but when you move to another country or you go to another area, you need to build, re rebuild your reputation, your name, get people to know you or for whatever reason uh, you need to start over or, or just get people to know you. Just check the market. Try to get yourself familiarized with uh, what the market rates are. Because mm -hmm. when you have companies that are normally paying fifty to a hundred thousand for a certain type of production. All of a sudden, they find a young man who roommates with three other young men, and one shoots, one edits, and one holds the lights. And now they take that fifty to a hundred thousand dirham budget to five thousand because they can feed themselves with five thousand, and they can live in the same room with five thousand, and they can do everything. That kind of affects the market in mm -hmm. two ways. It affects the production houses that have been well established and built the name, and they have expenses to run and it affects the freelancer himself mm -hmm. him or herself because from there it's really hard to grow from that 5000 yes these companies will hire you but they're they're very comfortable paying you that 5000 in fact right. they will negotiate that 5000 and choke you some more yep. so it, it's a, it's it's good to get an understanding of hey what's market value for this type of work in this country that I'm working in. What if you're a freelancer mm -hmm. and you're charging different companies different prices? Is it right to charge a bigger uh, corporation more money as a freelancer than you would a startup? I don't think that's the way it should be scaled. I think in all fairness to big corporations and small companies, startups and everyone else in between, if, if I have Joe Schmo's bread company on the corner and I have massive car dealership on the left or a massive car, a massive corporation on the left here, I should look at my work and what I'm going to produce and the size of my crew, the type of equipment and the type of content I'm going to produce. And I should scale it that way. Keep my margins fair, mm -hmm. whether uh, everyone has a different margin value based on their experience, whether that be 15, 20, 30, 40 percent on up. 
it scales differently based on the work and also based on the experience. Mm-hmm. So that should be the way. It shouldn't be where I'm going to charge the guy that sells bread uh, this much money, but I'm going to charge the company that uh, owns tons of buildings this much money because they have a bigger name. This is, I think this is a, a very wrong way of doing it. And I think it's, it's not fair. Honestly, it's not fair to the big companies because they work hard to get to where they are. I mean, who cares? They're big, right? I'm rooting for the small guys here, Hassan. Usually on, we want to root for the, the small guys. But, but, but if, you, if we want to have a fair market across the board and have the big companies say, well, you guys will charge us more because we're a big name, then if we want them to stop saying that, then we should have a fair scale across the board. You know? But doesn't it make sense because they, they do have bigger budgets, right? They do. They do, which means they could do bigger content. That does the, so yeah. the bread guy, for example, that just bakes bread on a corner – he has content that scales up to his business. Right. right? Okay. So, I'm, uh, hey, I'm just playing devil's advocate. I, I like I that you play it. No, it makes explain sense. It. it absolutely makes sense. So the guy that, that bakes bread, he wants to get the word out. Now, more than likely because he's centralized in a certain, he's, a, he's in a neighborhood. So his type of strategy and marketing should be in the, within a certain radius, walking distance, maybe driving distance for the next neighborhood over. Yeah. But this company in this big circle is either looking to market globally or just uh, domestically throughout the entire country. Mm-hmm. So their type of production should be a step higher because they're targeting and that would cost more mm-hmm. because of what they're looking to do. And I think that's the fair way to scale it. Small, small marketing, big marketing. Yeah. Makes sense. Uh, if we say big companies, okay, so they're, they're probably asking yeah. for something a little bit bigger than what the guy's baking on the corner. Makes sense. Yeah. So basically we're telling um, companies to hire local, freelancers to set market prices mm-hmm. and not shoot themselves in the foot. Right. Uh, and uh, last one last thing before we go, Hassan, any uh, advice? Education. Anything? I think everybody, all of us, from the consumer, the client, the, 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 uh, the, the big corporate owner of a big, huge company, the freelancer, and the production house, needs, we need to educate ourselves on our own market. People that are buying production services need to understand what they're buying because that's where the misconception comes in. And that's how, this is why they choke and choke and choke because they don't understand. They, you know, they think you can come out and shoot with a, with a cell phone or, or maybe with a small camera and that's it. There's no lights required. There's nothing yeah. else required. Yeah. And the freelancers should do the same thing. They should understand what market value is so they can win within the same market. You know, when they do understand the value of production, yeah. when, when they see um, the end result of a Yas Island yeah. Uh, commercial. Yeah. You know, they've got almost half a million followers now on, yeah. on Instagram. Yeah. They, I, they grew rather quickly. Yeah. They grow quickly. It's uh, uh, the campaign creates awareness and it's, be, it, it's shared everywhere because it brings smiles. Everyone to is face. talking about it. Right. Yeah. And, exactly. And, that, and that's what, that's what you want to do, right? You want to create the hype, the buzz and, and, and everything else in between. I love a good ad. Yeah. I love a good ad. Yeah. It's Especially so when it hits right and it resonates. Yeah. And, and you know? when it comes from home. You know, definitely. How refreshing is that to see? How how wholesome is that to see something coming uh, out of the UAE like that? Yeah, I totally agree, hundred percent. And even for the small time guy, the guy that bakes bread. Yeah. Because we're in this digital world of just social media. When I when I want something similar to what he sells, I actually go to social media, and if I see the ad comes up, if it's good enough, even on a small production, 
I look to see where that guy's located. So True. it does work. True. Yeah. yeah. Gotta yeah. love social media just for that reason, right? I guess there's one reason I like it. <laughs> <laughs> Indeed. Uh, thanks a lot, Ahsan Salhia. Thank you for having me. Uh, Everyone calls me TG, by the way, but you can call me that. TG. <laughs> yeah, that, that's how you're known on, on Instagram and that's, across yeah, the... Yeah, it's a yeah. nickname, yeah. long story. We'll tell on a different time, a different awesome. day. Awesome, a different but, day, yeah. Yes. Well, we'll have you again with us, I'm sure, in the studio, Ahsan. I look forward to it. Thank, Thank you, you so much me. for your time. Thank you for having um, me. Guys, um, do listen to us um, on wherever you get your podcasts, Apple and Rami, uh, Spotify. Uh, watch us on Smashy TV. Subscribe. It's worth it, I promise. Um, and follow us on all socials. Thank you. This is a Smashy Business production, part of Augustus Media Podcast Network. Tune in for free on all socials or subscribe on Smashy TV to get access to all shows and audio podcasts. 